Now, I hope you've been enjoying the deeper series. And we wanted this series to be like lighter fluid on your faith. We wanted it to be an accelerant. We wanted it to be like miracle grow, something that would be helpful, something that would really uh, ignite spiritual growth in our lives. Obviously, there's a lot more that could be said about spiritual growth than just what we're doing, bless you, um, than just what we're doing in this series. Um, this isn't meant to be the, the only path, the only way to spiritual growth um, or anything like that. Uh, we've done series here before on, on the gifts of the Spirit, uh, the, produ- the produce that God wants to produce in your lives, the gifts of the, the fruits of the Spirit. We've done series on that before. Uh, we've done whole series on, on grace and love before. Um, we just decided to do this, uh, this one a little differently and uh, follow one particular character, Peter. We're following Peter. And, and watch how he goes deeper. Watch how he, he grows in his faith and his understanding of Jesus. And then uh, how we can apply that to our lives. A word that, that Jesus often used to refer to someone who would commit and submit to his teaching, his way of life, uh, was the word disciple. And the Greek word is the word methetes. Methetes. And it's a word that implies more than just learning. It's a word that, that implies becoming like the teacher. Not, not just learning from the teacher or learning about the teacher, but, but actually becoming like the teacher. I don't know if you ever had uh, a teacher that had such an impact and such an influence on you that you wanted to become like that teacher. But that's what the word uh, disciple means. You know, come and, and follow me. Be my disciple. Become like me. If you read Paul's letters, uh, the letters of Paul, writing back to the, his young fledgling churches, Paul pleads with them not to conform any longer to the patterns of, of, of the world, but to be transformed. And, and he highlights the old way of living, and he says that, that we're crucified to those things in Jesus Christ. He says, you know, now that we know Jesus, now that we've experienced uh, his crucifixion for us, we're going to be dead to, we're going to be crucified to those, the, the way we used to live, those, those old patterns in our lives. We buried them, they're gone, and now we're, we're called out, we're separate from this world, we're, we're in it, but we're not of it. And Paul uh, says there should be clear and noticeable ways that we live that, that, that just helps others see Jesus in us. Paul says your, your life should be so radically different that someone should get a good understanding of who Jesus is by looking at your life and seeing the way that, that you live. And so throughout the New Testament, we're encouraged to, to not stay in one place, to not be spiritually stuck, but to continue on in our faith, um, to, to run the race, to grow, to mature, uh, to become, to model, to change, to transform into the image of Jesus Christ. So if you're, if you're still unclear about this, if you're, you know, you're tracking, but you're, you're, you're not sure about, you know, about the progress in your life and whether or not you're, you're growing spiritually, um, I recommend that you try journaling for a while. I'm going I'm to recommend that you try journaling. Um, Try it for, for a couple of weeks and see how you do. Keep a spiritual journal. Journal will give you reference points that you can go back to, you know, week after week and month after month and see how you're growing. So you would, you would start journaling uh, where you're reading in, in Scripture, 
uh, journal things that God is, is showing you in his word. Um, journal your prayer requests. Write down things that, are, that, that you're praying about and, and check them off or scratch them out when, they, when God answers those prayers. Um, or, you know, if, if God isn't answering that prayer, then write, you know, what is God teaching you as you, as you wait for that, uh, teaching you in a, in a season when things maybe aren't being answered right away. Uh, journal your quiet time with Christ. Uh, journal frustrations. Uh, journal your challenges, your questions. Uh, maybe even bring your journal to church and journal uh, while we're preaching and, and uh, things that God is speaking to you on Sunday morning. So that might be helpful to you. Uh, that's just a suggestion. I brought a couple of, um, a couple of books. I've got several uh, spiritual formation and discipleship type books, but uh, here are two of the, the, the all-time classics. And if you haven't read these, I highly recommend. Uh, first one is by Richard Foster. It's called Celebration of Discipline. And I uh, highly recommend that if you're uh, interested in growing spiritually. And then the second one, Dallas Willard, Renovation of the Heart. These are two of the, the real classics. And these things would be like, like lighter fluid on your faith. And uh, they, will, they will help uh, as well. So one of the things that we've been repeating each week in the series is that deep isn't a level of information, it's a level of transformation. Going deeper with Jesus Christ is not just information. I mean, that's part of it. You have to, you have to learn. That, that's part of it. But it, it's not a level of information, it's a level of transformation. The deepest person in this church is not the person who knows the most or who can quote the most scripture or who has the most degrees behind their name. Um, by the way, is Pastor, is Pastor Mike in here? Tapper, are you in here? Oh, there he is. Hey, buddy. How are you? You want to stand up? You want to dance for us like you were dancing Friday night? No? All right, there he is. Uh, Mike just successfully defended uh, his theses and is now Dr. Mike Tapper. So that's a, that's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> So Mike has it all. Mike is the total package. He's got the information, and he's got the transformation, all right? Uh, very cool. Way to go. Congratulations, uh, Mike. The, the deepest person in this church might be someone who is humbly serving Jesus, loving others, and caring for others without looking for any recognition or reward. That could be the deepest person in this church. The person who puckers up their face and says, well, I, I'm just not being fed, is really just telling the world how selfish and how shallow they really are. Because spiritual depth is following Jesus, loving others, serving others, going into the messy places of life, touching the sick, loving the outcast, uh, going alongside those that society has pushed to the margins and really truly being the hands and feet of Jesus. So if you have one chance to talk to someone about Jesus, don't start that conversation with, well, you know, I know a lot of Bible. If you have one opportunity to start to, to have a conversation with someone about Jesus, start with, I care about you, and I'd like to help you see who Jesus really is. So is there a scripture that involves uh, Jesus teaching Peter and the disciples how serving is the true measure of spiritual depth? 
Great question. You always ask great questions. Yes, there is. And it's John chapter 13. Uh, and we're going to begin at verse 1 of John chapter 13. Here we go. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his, his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. And it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. This is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. And after washing their feet, he put on his robe again, sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. And now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. I've summarized uh, this part of John chapter 13 this way. I think, if it comes up on the screen here, there it is. If you love Jesus deeply, then serve others unconditionally. I think, I think this is the teaching. I think this is the point that Jesus is driving home with his disciples. If you love him, if you, if you love Jesus deeply, then what, what Christ models for us, what he wants us to learn, if you're going to be his disciple, then, then serve others unconditionally. And John here in chapter 13, I mean, he just sets the table for so perfectly. It's, it's as if we're in the back of the room watching this unfold. And he doesn't want you to miss a thing. It's just before Passover, when uh, the time when they remember and celebrate God's protection over Israel, his providential love that covered them and delivered them from Pharaoh and their, and, uh, and their bondage. It's also getting near the point of Jesus being handed over to the authorities and uh, God once again passing over for us and providing a way for us not to pay the penalty for sin. Uh, once again, God's going to deliver us from our bondage. And this time, Jesus would be the Lamb of God and his blood would cover us once and for all. And John mentions that Jesus loved this motley crew, even Judas. He, he loved them all, and he would love them right to the very end. Jesus was fully aware of the room. He knew all that was going on, and he was fully aware of, of his role to, to teach this group what it really means 
to be his disciple. And he needs to get this deep. He, need, he needs to, to lodge this deep in their hearts so that this would become more than just a, a nice story, but that it would become a way of life for them. If you read uh, the early historians, not just church historians, just, 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 just historians in general from the first, second, and third centuries, you'll find that one of the reasons Christianity uh, grew it, unstoppable, it just kept growing exponentially, and it could not be extinguished is because of the way they sacrificially laid down their lives and served others. In other words, the defining mark of the early church, it, it wasn't how much they knew. I mean, that's, that's not what kept the church from being snuffed out and extinguished and, and, and killed off and burned out. It wasn't because, wow, those people, those people have a lot of information. It wasn't because of what they knew or how much they knew. It was because of who they knew. It's because they had, they had encountered a resurrected Jesus Christ, and they were on fire for him. And then it was because of how they lived and how they, how they served and how they, they get into the, the messy places of society where nobody else would go. The Christians would go, and the Christians would serve, and the Christians would love. And, and, and people couldn't, they, they couldn't ignore that. And, and eventually they had to say, no, you, those people are different. There's something about those people that's just, it's radical. And, and, and so Jesus had to, uh, this teaching about washing others' feet and serving others unconditionally, it had to be more than just a nice story. This had to be something that forever uh, changed their lives. John sets it up perfectly. He says that Judas is going to betray Jesus and Jesus knows it. Peter is going to deny Jesus, and Jesus knows it. Jesus is going to suffer and die for their sins and our sins, and Jesus knows it. There's a room full of food and hungry men, and Jesus knows it. And in that environment, Jesus seizes an opportunity to drive home one of the most powerful and most important examples of what it means to go deeper in your faith. And so he gets up from the table and he takes off his outer robe and he wraps a towel around his waist and he begins to wash their feet. Now he hasn't said anything yet. John, John doesn't indicate that Jesus has said anything. He just gets up and he puts a towel around his, and he just starts serving them. He hasn't said anything yet. He hasn't asked them to take off their sandals. He's not explaining to them um, you know, proper foot hygiene. He's not, uh, he's not talking to them about how to properly wash your feet. He, he isn't complaining to them about how dirty or how smelly their feet are. And a lot of Christians would rather just point out other people's dirt than actually get down and serve them. We're good at, at, at pointing out the dirt we see in other people's lives rather than just coming alongside them quietly and serving them and loving them and helping them deal with whatever it is they're trying to deal with. Jesus just starts washing their feet. Hasn't said anything yet. He just starts washing their feet. He just serves them first, and then, after he serves them, then he teaches. This is profound. Because churches that want to teach first and then serve often don't get the opportunity to serve at all. See, if, 
if everyone in this room here right now this morning, if all of us in this room right now, if we would take off the robe of a rabbi, take off the robe of, of all we know and all the rules and all the regulations and this is how it's done and, and all else, if we would just take that off and if we would put on the position of a servant and if we would love others first, just serve them, people will come to Jesus and then they'll find out more about his teaching. Then the Holy Spirit can work in their lives and help them understand what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. You see, no one likes a know-it-all, but everyone loves to serve them all. You don't like a know-it-all, but everybody loves a serve them all. So in that culture, at that time, the lowest possible form of serving would have been down on your hands and knees with someone else's feet in your face and you're washing them. If I came into your house after trekking through the desert all day, um, you probably had uh, a hired hand in the house who would come out and offer to wash my feet. You wouldn't even throw me a towel to wash my own feet. You wouldn't even do that. Some unfortunate soul would have to lower themselves to the most humbling task and do the deed. Maybe this, is, maybe this is the scene that Paul is referring to in Philippians chapter 2 when he says this. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as, as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You, me, we this morning, Moncton Weston, you, must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. And, and maybe this is what Paul was thinking about when he said this. And he took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God. He died a criminal's death on a cross. Back to verse 6. Let's go back to verse 6 of John 13. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash? Are you going to wash my feet? Now, we don't know. We don't know the sequence of events. We don't know when Jesus got to Peter. We don't know if Peter was near the first of the bunch, or if he was in the middle of the bunch, or if he was near the, near the end, somewhere in between. We don't know. But either way, it appears as though Peter is not first, that some of the other disciples who were first, that they didn't resist Jesus. They didn't, they didn't stop Jesus that we know of. But something was, was building up inside of Peter. And by the time Jesus gets to Peter, Peter says, I don't think so. Peter's, 
He, he's formed. He, he's got his response ready. And by the time Jesus gets to Peter, Peter Peter's like, hey, are you going to wash my feet? Peter's question was the same. It, it was the same uh, as, as if Peter said, no, Lord, no, 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 no. You are not going to wash my feet. Now, let's dig deeper on this. Peter did not know. He did not know what God was up to. He didn't fully understand. And in verse 7, Jesus tells him, you don't understand. You don't see it now, Peter. But someday, Peter, on the, on the other side of the resurrection, I'm telling you, Jesus is saying, I'm telling you, this is going to make sense. You don't, you don't, you're not getting it all right now. Isn't, you don't fully understand right now, but you will someday. And we don't know why Peter resisted Jesus. And there are lots of reasons this morning why you and I straight arm God. Come on, you've been there. You've done that. You've done that before to God. You're like, I don't, that's not happening. I don't think so. Right? Talk to the hand. We, we, we could take the, the high road with Peter. We could say that, that Peter was fully aware of who Jesus is and, and that he was thinking, well, the, the creator of the universe should not, should not be, you know, giving a pedicure to the created. We could take the high road with Peter. But let's flip it the other way. Maybe Peter isn't thinking so much about who Jesus is. Maybe his problem is that he knows who Peter is. Maybe Peter's thinking about himself. He knows that God is worthy, but he feels so unworthy in his own humanity, in his dirt, that he'd rather God not get into his dirt because of his own junk in his life. Maybe it's the intellectual hurdle. And Peter's lack of understanding is, is blocking the blessing of God in his life. And he might miss a powerful work of God in his life because he either, he either can't understand or he's not willing to understand or he doesn't want to understand what God wants to do in his life right at that moment. It's amazing how often we, we, we maybe we want God to do something supernatural in our lives, but but we want him to do it in the most natural of ways. And if we can't understand it, we resist it. We just think, oh, God, no. I mean, that could happen to someone here this morning. God could be speaking to you about going deeper and following him and serving Christ and giving him your whole life and what that means. And, and you might think, ah, isn't there, is there not an easier way to straight-arm God? Imagine for a moment washing the feet of the person sitting beside you right now in church. Go ahead and look around. Imagine washing the feet of uh, the person sitting beside you. Now that might not be a life-changing experience. You might remember it, you might not. Imagine what it was like for these disciples Imagine, let, let's, let's try to put ourselves in their sandals after the resurrection, okay? Imagine what it was like after the death and resurrection of Jesus, after his ascension into heaven. And every time you get up in the morning and you laced your sandals, every time you, you sat on a cold prison cell staring at your feet, every time you stood in front of a crowd to proclaim 
the good news of Jesus and to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Or every time that you ran from a crowd that was pelting you with stones because of Jesus. Every time you unlaced your sandals after a long day of ministry and seeing God work in people's lives. Every day you would look at those feet and you would think, those feet were washed by the Son of God. Imagine that. Imagine the impact that that would have had on their lives. They never would have forgotten that. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, took off his robe and he put on the towel of a servant and he got down on his hands and his knees and he served me and he took away my filth. And even those little hard-to-get spots in my feet that have some nasty junk that have been hiding for days, he took it all away because he loves me. Imagine. Verse 8. Peter says, no, you will never, ever wash my feet. Have you ever said never, ever, and then 10 seconds later said okay? You have if you have children. No, 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 okay. Fine. No way, not a chance, over my dead, all right. This is what Peter does. He says, never, ever. And then 10 seconds later, he's like, okay, well, then wash, wash my whole body. Take my head, take my hands. Just like that. Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And the word that Jesus used here for wash is the same word that they used for, for purify purify something. And it meant a whole lot more than just wiping away a little dust. And Peter knows immediately what Jesus means. And it, and it hits Peter so hard in that moment that in a, in a blink, he goes from never, ever. Once, once he realizes God, God doesn't just want to wash you. God wants to purify you. God wants to change your entire life. God wants to make you like his son. God wants to redeem you. God wants to justify you. God wants to save you. And as soon as Peter realizes that, he's like, he goes from never ever to take, take my whole life. Take, take it all. Lord, if, if, if you want to purify me, that's different. You can have all of me. Come just wash over all of my entire, my entire body. You can have my head, you can have my hands, you can have my whole life. Jesus is teaching them how to love others unconditionally, how to walk through life with a towel on your arm and get into the messy places of people's lives. And don't hold back and don't be, don't be put off by other people's junk. But, but to get in there and serve and love people so radically and so unconditionally that they would see Jesus Christ in us. This is the way that you will change the world. Letting Jesus power wash your soul is the way that he will change you. Let Jesus wash over you. Let him flood over you. Let him purify and cleanse. 
the deepest places, those places that you've kept hidden, those places that have been, been, been rotting for, away for years. Just open it all up and say, okay, Lord, don't just do my feet. Cleanse every part of me. Wash it all. You have to be washed by Jesus and know that your sins are forgiven, that your debts have been paid. And Jesus is clear in that text in verse 8, unless you allow my love and my grace to wash over your soul, he says, you don't belong to me. You don't belong to me. So Peter says, well, if that's the deal, then I'm all in. I'm all yours. Take my life. Take it all.